Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the wonderful author and speaker and philosopher and someone who could take an acorn and turn it into an oak tree within minutes. And I, I mean that figuratively speaking. She is unbelievable. She is magical with her storytelling skills and her uh, examples that she gives. Catherine Ransom is here once again. And we urge everyone to binge listen to everything that we've been doing. Uh, also go to uh, a new channel, brand new channel, uh, and watch documentary on Catherine. And we'll let you know uh, how to get to that by the end of the show. We will. And also, uh, watch the visual Ransom Notes. She's wonderful and so cheery and everything else. Catherine Ransom, how are you? Well, good morning, Frank, or I guess it's really afternoon, and I'm in great spirits. Uh, we had uh, sort of an interesting evening last night. We had lots of uh, thunder, and as I said, we had so much thunder last night that it made a nice musical background for my dreams. Ah, but, I like that. Uh, I like thunder. I, I like thunder. Yes, you know, I, I woke up to this noise, and I'm thinking, what in the world is that? And then I realized that it was thunder and, and really a downpour. But my sometimes when I have my good hat on, I thought, you know, I would rather be having all of this rain than the you-know-what in the West. Right. When we see, when we're reading about some of the largest forest fires, and not just limited to forests, but into towns and homes that I am glad that we have rain here in our part of the world. And I'm sad that there are spots in not only the United States, but some other spots right now that are experiencing extreme fires. I, I really can't imagine, Frank, what it would be like to wake up every morning and almost all day long wondering, is this the last moment in my house? Because it's going to be burned to the ground. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just horrible. What a, a cloud to live under. Uh, ju just amazing. It just, it, it, it makes you, uh, it, you know, makes you very grateful that you don't live where that's happening. I, you know, I can't, if you were a parent and you had children and you wanted to save them, you weren't even sure that you could get into the car. And if you did, would the car go through the fire? Well, that's obviously sad news but i heard something else another little piece of news yeah and it deals with water as opposed to fire but it was damaging also apparently omaha nebraska saturday had a downpour of two to four inches if i've read correctly which is you know lots of places are experiencing that but the thing that caught my eye was a trio of people were in an elevator. The elevator locked. The rain start. The water started coming up into the elevator, and it got up to under their armpits. Oh my God! Fortunately, at least one of them had a phone, and they were able to contact outside help. But it took ten to fifteen minutes for the people for some people to come. I don't know whether they were regular rescue people or just, you know, I do not know. But 
they had to smash open, pry open the elevator door to get them out. None of them were hurt, but one of them was actually sort of treading water just to keep up his head out of the water enough. I think I would have been really panicking in there. It's wow. Um, it's that is sort of difficult. But two thoughts came to my mind. It just shows how each of us needs to be ready at all times to see the end of our life. Because no, they were saved. But just as easily another few moments, or if they hadn't had their phone, if they hadn't been partially prepared, it could have been the end of their life. And I think sometimes we rather casually take care, think about our own life and forget that we need to keep asking forgiveness. We need to keep living as near uh, a good life as we possibly can. Because we never know when the last minute will be there, whether it's fire creeping in or it's water coming up to our nose and then we can't breathe. It just shows that we need to have the Lord there with his spiritual hand helping us. Don't you think? Of course. My my Lord. I, I mean, just imagine the last thing in the world you would ever think about when you walked into an elevator is whether I'm going to drown. Right. I mean, you could I, sometimes maybe you can get a phobia. It, will the cable break? Will I get stuck in here? Would I suffocate? Maybe. Right. Would I would a fire happen? But the last thing in the world that I would think about walking into a uh, an elevator is will I drown? I mean, that's amazing. I can I can understand the being stuck in the elevator. Because we were once traveling, I believe, in the Netherlands or somewhere. I do not remember exactly where. We were in an elevator, and it stopped halfway between two floors. It was in a very small hotel. The proprietor, had she had to run down into the basement, and she manually pulled the chains to raise the elevator enough so that it was halfway up to where the doors would open. And then the laundry man that just happened to be delivering the clean sheets was there. The door was open halfway and he helped my friend and me jump down halfway. You know, we we were, we were up quite a ways from the floor, but think of that woman going down, and manually pulling the chain to lift two adults plus the weight of the elevator. I can't really imagine. Wow. But wow. but at least we didn't have at least we didn't have water coming in at the same time or smoke or anything else. But it was just a tiny bit. Well, it wouldn't be something you'd want to do every day. Wow. Wow. A nightmare. Life life gets exciting at times. It have does. you ever had have you ever had any time when you really sort of thought, you know, this maybe this is it? Yeah, uh, several times. Uh, you know, there was one time where my brother and I were driving home in a, an ice storm, and we had an old old car, and this was in the eighties, and it uh, it it was a strong car, but it was a, an old car, and it was. Uh, incapacitated on the side of the road and then we we saw a woman crash and she had a baby and well she kept saying it was a baby but he was like a three-year-old which i guess is a baby and we grabbed the baby 
out of the car, the baby, the little boy out of the car, and we grabbed her, and, and she had crashed into something else, and everybody was just crashing left and left and right, and we kept saying it's, it's a war zone. It's like a war zone, and I was thinking that night, and, you know, maybe I was 20 years old or 21 years old. I was thinking, you know, maybe we're going to die this night, you know, and we were praying and uh, quietly and, and uh, people were praying out loud, you know, people that we were helping um, get out of there. But we were the first to uh, to really like uh, like pull off on the side of the road right as it was going. And we were just we were helping people. We were just helping people, and then finally, um, some rescue people came, and uh, and they uh, they closed down the road because it was so bad, and uh, just just amazing. And I do not like ice at all. I don't mind. I don't enjoy driving on snow, but I don't have the fear that I do of ice because uh, it takes very little ice and very little speed to combine and have real non-control not only of your own vehicle but very likely somebody else's vehicle so getting off the road in ice is probably the the one of the best things to do it, I, again it's amazing how we wait until something very very serious sometimes to remember to pray and suddenly we think oh my goodness i better pray to god please take care of me and that's a great thing to do it's just that I probably should be praying right now. You know, Lord, I really think I need to thank you last night because we got through the thunderstorm and we had no damage and I slept well. And God, I pr appreciate the fact that you watered Mary Ann's garden. We sometimes forget to say thank you and we wait until we almost have a moment of tragedy. But I've got a, I've got a big word for you, Frank. Yeah. See if you, see if you know it. Hydrocephalus. Uh, no, <laughs> hydro is is uh, is water related, right? Isn't it? Well, that's what we sometimes think of that. That's correct. Right, cephalus. I boy, I have no idea what cephalus means. Well, I was looking something the other day, and I found this um, medical. It's a medical term, and I thought, you know, that's sort of appropriate to think about some of these medical terms, because right now at least in our part of the country, it's amazing how many people are focused on either being delighted that they are protected from the virus, are weeping and moaning because someone has suffered or died from uh, the Cor Corvus uh, 19. Yeah. Uh, that we also, just because I'm sharing a house or a, a apartment and a complex with everyone is about 60 plus so you know there's a high ratio of illnesses so you hear people talking about isolation virus breathing issues bills blues depression cancer heart problems crutches it seems like we focus so much on that and that's understandable because we tend to talk about things that we're doing or thinking about. And so when I saw this list of seven spiritual illnesses, I oh. thought, whoopee, that might be fun to talk about. And so I would just like to briefly share seven spiritual illnesses. Hydrocephalus is one of the ones that we'll talk about when we get down there. The first one is and, and you can help me define these if you like. 
The first one is spiritual anemia. Now, anemia sort of means that uh, I need more vitamin pills or I'm not a doctor. So if I describe these various illnesses inappropriately, our audience may tell us about it, and that's okay. But if you tried to make a connection between not having enough vitamins, letting your body get depleted, how do we turn that into a spiritual lesson? What is the food that Christians need to eat? I would think prayer, uh, faith. And the bread of life. Right. And the bread of life is the word of God. So if I've got anemia, that means I probably have stopped attending a study group. I perhaps do not remember to read the Bible more than maybe listening to a sermon on Sunday. Perhaps I don't go about helping others or volunteering because I think, oh, I'm too tired, too weak, too busy. I won't try to help in the kingdom. I've got spiritual anemia. And the the question I'm going to ask you at the end of these seven is which of the seven do you think you might have the most danger, not necessarily that you have that ailment, but the most likely to have of the seven we talk about. So the first one's anemia. The second one is spiritual myopia. When you think of myopia, what comes into your mind? Uh, You can, um, uh, nearsightedness, right? Is it nearsightedness? Yes, perfect, perfect. Has to do, and and that's, I happen to be nearsighted. So when everybody else is taking off their glasses to read, uh, are putting on their glasses to read, I'm taking mine off because I'm nearsighted, so I'm always backward from 90% of the people, it seems like. So if I wanted to turn that into spiritual myopia, it would seem like that perhaps I've stopped dreaming, I've stopped projecting, I've stopped thinking of new opportunities for church growth. I am so self-focused. I am just looking right where I am, and maybe I even put wet blankets over new ideas that somebody suggests. I, <coughs> excuse me, yeah. I have myopia spiritually. So, I don't know where you are on that continuum, yeah. but I'm going to have to cough again. Okay, on. <coughs> I, I have a feeling that's not your issue. That's that, that's not your issue. It's not my issue either. Because we'll do that at the end. No, I mean I I would agree that that's I'm probably the absolute extreme on the other end. Right. Number three, spiritual rigor mortis. Oh. So what's that? So what do we mean when we say rigor mortis? Rigor mortis is when when the body uh, stops living, and there's no more life in the body. That it it stiffens up, and it um, and and uh, it doesn't move. It's rigid. It's as uh, it's as rigid as you can get. So do you think do you think we could have Christians that have just really become rigid and almost died? Yeah, I I do. I, I think that that sometimes uh, people become uh, so uh, obsessed with uh, with judging others, let's say, with judging others and not taking into consideration maybe their 
conditions, maybe people that have different realities in their life. And by the way, they might be sitting next to you in, in the pew next to you in church, and and somebody may be judgmental towards them. And I, I don't think Christ ever would be judgmental of, of the people, you know, willing people that are coming in that are just have weaknesses or have differences. Uh, so that's what I think of when I think of uh, spiritual rigor mortis. Uh, but maybe you have something different in mind. No, no, I think I think that's that's part of it. I think it is that you just sort of die doing jobs. You die doing uh, reaching out. You you can just sort of sit in the pew, and uh, you you may not your your brain may even be in rigor mortis as you think and do something else rather than really focusing on what the message is or singing or what whatever portion of the service that you might happen to be in and you stop being engaged with the family it's as if you were either in uh, uh, when you when you are almost ready to die a hospice and you're 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 just you're just you, you are still breathing but as a Christian, you've re- almost everything else function of your Christian life has gone in, has gone dormant. And I suspect we know some living human beings who have let rigor mortis set into their Christian life. So that's not a good thing. No. That we don't want them to be ready for the rocking chair and funeral arrangements. We want to keep people going and doing. And, you know, I think... That's probably one of the focuses I try to include in my essays as much as almost anything else is friends at whatever age of, st- of life, health conditions, background, whatever. There are still umpteen opportunities for you to let your light shine and do something for others as it reflects you as a Christian. It just bothers me when we say oh I, I can't get out anymore I can't do I'm 80 plus whatever the excuse might be and all of that is tough and difficult and tragic but to say now I can't do anything more if, if you reach a stage where you have dementia or you're barely breathing of course you're not going to do other things but up to that stage there's always something that a person could do i don't want rigor mortis okay right. number number four here's the one that we had that i can't pronounce but i'm going to try it i looked it up this is one of it zerophthalm let's see zerophthalmy uh, how are you spelling I'm try- it x-e-r-o-p-h-t-h-a-l M-I-A, xerophthalmy. I'm doing horrible, but I'll tell you what it means. It's dry eyes. And I know what dry eyes are because I have to put in drops in my eyes usually two or three times during the night because if I wake up, I can't make my eyelids come up. I'm the same way. Wow, that's funny. I'm I'm the same way. Not funny, but that's... that's So, because I have no no teardrops. You know, they're just... So... If I have spiritual dry eyes, what am I not doing? If you have spiritual dry eyes, you're not. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's not an that's not an easy one to, uh, to no. answer. If, if I think, go ahead. Excuse me. Go ahead. No, um, I, I would think if you have spiritual dry eyes, that means you're not uh, you, you're not 
doing anything to improve the way you look at the Lord or you look at other people. Uh, you know, I guess like you and I, we put the eye drops. I always have Visine or, or some kind of thing by me. And, and we put that in there to lubricate and to, uh, and to help uh, our, uh, our eyes uh, function. So if, and this is probably a different angle than you were going, but uh, spiritual dry eyes uh, to me would mean that, that we're not doing anything to improve the way we look at the Lord or look at our faith or others. And uh, uh, is, is that along the same lines you were thinking? Well, if I have, I mean, and I think, I think that's a good connection. If I have dry eyes, I don't have any tears. If I have Christian dry eyes, I've suddenly stopped caring about others. I don't cry for someone when they're in pain. Oh, I got you. Or, oh, yes, very good. Or they are uh, suffering uh, a, a loss of a loved one or uh, they, whatever their problem Sympathy, might be. Sympathy, empathy. Sympathy. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, two, there's two good words that, right. that I suddenly have lost that. Okay. Number, number five is the hydrocephalus, and that's a cranial enlargement. So what's my cranium? That's your brain. Okay. So suddenly I've got the big brain. I've got an enlargement. So if if I have a big brain spiritually, yeah. I begin to think I am better than I really am. Oh, okay. I've got the big head. Yes. Does that sort of make sense? Holier than thou, they used to say. Holier uh, than yes, thou. yes. Uh, delusions of grandeur. Right. Right. Instead of instead of being willing to help do the dishes or rape the churchyard or go help a widow who needs her furniture moved or stuffing envelopes for the camp director to send out to kids, instead of doing those tasks, you only want to do the things where you're on the platform. You're leading the singing. You're in, in the choir. You are teaching a lesson. You're you know, something that is very visible. And if I have hydrocephalus, I probably only want to do those big jobs. I don't want to do little things and not be seen. Now, I think you somebody has to do the big jobs, right. but I think they have to keep a balance just like my eyes have to be there are times when they need to rest but i need to keep and my life needs to keep doing physically lots of big things but i also need to make sure i haven't forgotten to cry and i haven't forgotten to not get the big head and it's easy for me to sometimes get the big head i don't know that's when i have to you seem very humble Humble to me, but you know, I I could see you being hard on yourself and saying, "Oh, maybe I'm getting a little big-headed." But that's that's interesting. And and I oh sorry, I won't, I won't interfere there. You, that's something you have to uh, judge for yourself whether that is happening. But I've never seen you become like that. I've never seen. Okay, that. I got another one for you. Go ahead. <clears throat> Hype, spiritual hyperacusis. Oh, what is that? Hyperacusis, H-Y-P-E-R-A-C-U-S-I-S. And do you know what that one means? No. Itching ears. What is it? 
itching ears. Itching. I didn't even know we had itching ears, except I know mine itch sometimes. Yeah, me too. And so I was thinking, what in the world would be the connection with itching ears in a Christian? And I decided that partially, because when you when your ears itch, uh, they don't, they don't feel very good, and you scratch them, and you sort of you know you're sort of upset. So if I'm hypersensitive to criticism. If it's hard for me to talk about controversial subjects, if I go around saying, don't tell me, I know what's best, maybe I have itching ears and I don't want to hear some bad things. I don't want to hear some things I don't believe. I don't want to hear your criticism. I've got itching ears. I know better. I am insensitive to others. Mm, so interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't really. Want, neither of us want that. That no. kind of thing. And then the very last one is I have spiritual tetanus. And what's what's the the common ordinary term we use for tetanus? Oh, uh, well, tetanus is. Uh, you know, I always think of immediately as uh, uh, when you cut yourself on something rusty or 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 uh, sharp and dirty and whatever, and then you need a tetanus shot. But um, what is... What Apparent, is it? Yeah. Apparently, it also has the meaning, because I think you're right, apparently it also has the meaning or uh, included in it is lockjaw. Oh, okay, right. That's if you, if you don't get a tetanus shot, you will get lockjaw. Right, that's interesting. So that means okay. you're silent about your faith or your... You're, you're right, right. You're getting better. You're doing fine. So if I have lockjaw, I don't want to tell anybody about the Lord. I don't want to witness. But there's two ways you can have lockjaw, it seems to me. I can have lockjaw with my my jaws shut shut tight, so I'm not telling anybody. But I could also have lockjaw, and it's wide open, and I constantly stick my feet into my mouth or the foot into my mouth as we sometimes use the old expression Mm -hmm. saying things that get me into trouble or you know there's just those people that just make enemies they stick their feet they should have just been quiet a little bit and not quite so locked open so we have seven diseases hydrocephalic anemia Myopia, rigor mortis, xerophthalmia, hyperacusis, itching ears, and lockjaw. Which one of those seven probably is the one you have to worry more about personally? And you don't have to you don't have to explain it. No, I can, just but, it'll be interesting to explain it. I think I have I have three of them that I'm going to really watch that I don't I don't develop. The one uh, myopia, right? Myopia, uh, the nearsightedness. Uh, just so you know, two weeks ago you gave me a homework assignment, and I followed up on it, and it was about reaching out to somebody who's uh, who's who's uh, teaching people of, uh, of, about Christianity, and uh, and I went to this man, and I'm I'm not going to mention his name because he wanted to be, he he you know he made it clear, you know he he's very happy with how things are. I went to him, and I knew him as a 16-year-old, and he's got a tiny little church. I mean, the smallest little church that you could ever imagine. Just a couple of people there, and he's not a very rich man, 
and and I asked him if he wanted to do a radio show, and I explained what we were, what you and I were doing, and I and I asked him if he wanted to, you know, do something maybe to promote the church, and he said, uh, he said, oh, we don't want to promote our church. He said we take anybody that you know that comes in, and you know we get a lot of he gets a lot of homeless people, and he gets a lot of folks like that. I said, well, maybe if you get some attention, you, you get some. Uh, um, you know, get some donations. He was like, oh, we don't need donations. We we get donations and whatever. But he was very happy doing, he's, you know, much older than I thought he was going to be, to be honest with you. He was, uh, you know, I, I was surprised. Um, an older looking, but lovely man. But I was looking, I you know, that old expression, you can't see the forest through the trees. I was just assuming, I was just assuming that, that, this uh, this man would want the same things that that I would think he'd want promotion or um, uh, or or expansion or whatever. He was very happy with with what they're doing. A very humble man, very you know very good Christian, and and he does all kinds of lovely things. But he's got a very small church, and his partners there with him still. I, I knew them both when I was a sixteen year old. And anyway, and that was uh, that was off of my homework a couple of weeks ago. So I would say that's nearsightedness on my part, not not to think. Uh, I I just assume that they would be thinking in a way that I would, and that's why I'm not mentioning his name. It's an unusual. Oh name no, too. no, no, we yeah. wouldn't want to do that. Right, uh, right. Itchy, itchy ears were criticized. Um, I try to do much better with that. I try to, you know, be able to take criticism. Um, and and not get offended, and I, I think I've become much better. But that's something that stood out to me. And the silent lockjaw, uh, I know that um, you know that I, I have a group of folks that that ha- do not have faith, you know, in in their lives, and uh, and you know, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to push uh, too hard on things. But I, I think there are opportunities where I have that I could uh, I could suggest. Um, uh, you know, conversations, uh, you know, especially with uh, with one gentleman that's getting older who's, who's close to me and he doesn't have any faith. Um, and, you know, and again, uh, maybe just get him into a conversation about the Lord. I think, you know, so maybe that's lockjaw. I don't know. Am I doing this right? I think. Uh, well, uh, oh, I mean, that's wonderful introspection. Yeah. I think the last one you talked about, there is probably probably almost no one that we know that at times doesn't become reluctant and probably sometimes it's appropriate not to include uh, over comments about uh, our faith hopefully each of us through our actions demonstrates our faith even if we don't publicly talk about it there's you know there's different ways of doing it but I'm I'm confident there's hardly anybody who hasn't at some time missed some golden opportunities to have a little more courage to speak out just a bit or make some kind of a comment that helps people know that you believe. And uh, so, yes, I think you did a a good I think you did a wonderful job doing a quick review of your own life and doing it publicly. And maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes more of us need to be just a little public about some of our errors. I don't mean standing on the street corner and yelling it out, but sharing with a close friend that, you know, help me with this particular area, whatever it might be in their life, uh, uh, which is one of the things that's sort of vanished 
during this year and a half of shutdown is that we haven't had as many opportunities to speak to friends, to have those connections, relationships that uh, are sort of private, but yet help us grow and understand ourselves. But we, we need to take just a few more minutes. I want to talk just about one other thing, Frank. How are your fishing skills? Fishing skills. I, uh, I am not a big fisherman, but uh, one, you know, my, all of my sons, I've taken them fishing, fishing at least, uh, you know, at least a couple of times, uh, just because it's a dad thing to do, you know, in fishing. And my daughter had no interest in it. Yuck, you know, she had no interest, but she did go with my wife once. But I remember with my youngest son, um, he said one time, he said, you know, I'd love to catch a fish. We were watching a cartoon, and I said, well, you want to go now? Let's go. And we went right down, and we live on Long Island, and we're you know, a couple blocks away from the uh, the sound here, not the ocean, but the sound on the North Shore. And uh, and I, I grabbed the fishing pole, and we grabbed some bait from a local shop right in town, and we went down, and we caught almost immediately a dogfish, which is nothing that you would eat. And we just, you know, we just, the Lord was looking over us, and I, uh, you know, we cast it out. He held it, and he um, almost immediately had a uh, had a, a fish tugging on him and we wheeled it in together he was so excited a little scared and it was a dogfish they call them dogfish because they they bark you can't really eat them but we uh, we immediately uh, uh, cut him off and got the we wanted to get the hook out of his mouth and a man helped us a fisherman uh, helped us and he took it took it out uh, cleanly and then we uh, we threw him back in the in in the water and, and mission accomplished you know on our sense and you know we, we caught a fish and I think one other time with uh, my youngest son we went and and he caught a fish he caught like a nice sized little fish and he threw it back and and we did the same thing but uh, I I certainly didn't have the the skills I don't have the skills that Jesus uh, and and his uh, apostles had. Um, you know, they, they were some real skilled fishermen in that in that crew. Well, when you think about it, they, that was their profession to be fish, skilled fishermen, and they probably would have stumbled and bumbled if they were trying to do a equivalent of doing radio and TV shows <laughs> as you're doing. So, you know, we have to all find our area, and that's not. But it leads right into my story. Uh, two fishermen went, or two men went fishing. And one of them was an experienced fisherman, and the other was not. And they're fishing away, and the experienced fisherman catches a big fish and pops it into the ice chest and catches another one. And the inexperienced man continues to fish. And he, when he gets big ones, he throws them right back into the water. And the experienced fisherman sort of thinks to himself, well, you know, maybe they're, maybe that's he was just afraid that moment. So watched him and... And, and that's what the inexperienced, every time he got a big fish, he'd throw it right back into the water. He'd keep the little ones, but he'd throw the big ones back away. So finally, this experienced fisherman said, um, uh, I, I just wonder why in the wide world are you throwing the big fish back into the water? And his friend answered, well, I only have a small frying pan. Wow. Wow. So... Sometimes, you know, the obvious thing is, well, for heaven's sakes, go out and buy a big one, <laughs> it, you know, but he didn't think about that. You know, sometimes, and we're going back to this whole bit, sometimes it's hard for some of us to dream 
big. We a plan, a big plan, maybe it's put forward and our faith is too small. Oh, no, our church couldn't do that. No, our class couldn't do that. No, that's too hard. I don't have those talents. I don't have those skills. No, it would cost too much. No, no, no. And we back away from things that are kingdom building, but they are too big. Maybe it's that the church needs a new facility, but it's going to be really big. And that doesn't mean you should never stop and consider the cost. I'm not saying that. Or maybe we think that we could really begin to send a number of people to help in the mission field. Oh, no. The planes with tickets would cost too much. It's too long a flight. No, no, we couldn't. Or maybe there is a school that we need to help and let our church light shine there. Oh, no, no. It would take too much time to get all the buses and get the kids down to our church building so we could do some after school. And we let big dreams vanish into the dark because we're throwing them back into the ocean because our frying pan of, I guess, confidence has gotten too small. So keep those big fish franked. Yes. Don't don't throw them back in the water. Figure out some kind of fish stew that you can have with a puppy dog fish. <laughs> that, uh, incredible. That is uh, that is wonderful. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you what. That is uh, that is not where I thought you were going with that. But that is is absolutely terrific. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about the miraculous catch of fish, and. Um, and and so forth. But what a what a what a wonderful direction you went, and what great advice that is. And think about it. How many how many times would people say, "Oh, you're going to write a book at at this age, or you're going to do a radio show or radio series at this age, or you're going to start your own radio series at this uh, this age? Are you going to host your own radio show at this age? You're going to do a documentary at this age?" You know, it would have been very easy for you to say, "Oh, you're right. It's too big, too big a thing." But uh, you, you know, listen. What a what a year you're having in two years. Uh, how many years has it been since you've written the book? Uh, it's been about two, yeah. and I need to I need to I need to move forward to the next step. I've got two books sort of in my head. One, I really I've got. If 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 tomorrow I could find uh, a place that would make a book as as uh, complete and uh, well put together as how I had the first one done, but not cost so much money. Uh, I would do it tomorrow because I've got enough essays. But yeah. the second one I've been toying with is the, I made a lot of notes the 10 days I was in the hospital recovering from open heart surgery. And I would really like to create a book that could be useful by uh, both a patient, a future heart patient, uh, the family of a heart patient, as well as uh, counselors and ministers that work with people that are facing heart surgery, either are facing it or have just had it, about things to keep in mind, things that go through your head that are normal, but how do I remain faithful? And uh, I need to just take time and start doing that I, it wouldn't be a big book it'd be a small sort of handbook but that's that's the next dream and i don't want to throw it back into the pond 
Way to go. You, you just pick up a bigger frying pan and uh, and, and cook the bigger so, fish. But it's been fun talking to you today, Frank. Same here, as always. And to everyone out there, we... And we encourage everyone to binge listen to everything that we've been doing here. First on the the original radio series, and then now on everything that we've been doing here as Catherine as host of Ransom Notes. And I will also tell you, I promise to tell you where to watch the documentary. We changed up, we changed up the avenue just recently because there was some confusion. Uh, some people, um, some people might have mixed us up. With uh, with someone else who had who had a different agenda, and uh, you know again, not judging anybody's agenda, but far different than than what we were doing here. We didn't want to be confused. And let me just tell you where to go. If you go to breaking breaking it down, and we're going to change it again to uh, to ransom notes. We'll get it uh, the own. Uh, and make it real easy for everybody to get. But right now, you could watch the documentary and also uh, the visual, uh, the visual ransom notes, including last week's, on breaking it down. Uh, TV on YouTube, and it won't be any confusion with anything else that's political or, or that's uh, you know extreme one way or the other, and there will be no confusion there. Anyway, Catherine Ransom has been our host each and every week. Please binge listen to everything that we've been doing and, and look out for a new TV station on YouTube called Ransom Notes. And it'll be everyone will move everything there uh, and, and it'll be included and it'll be real easy to find. By next week, we'll have that. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see everyone next time on Ransom Notes.